Hello and welcome back to the Mr. Matinee channel. I'm making this because I made a um, video or audio earlier discussing the Night of the Creep special edition Blu-ray um, special features documentary uh, aspects and North Shore, which was, I believe, made in 2005. Um, the movie came out in 1987, but the home release was either... You know, in the, in the mid two thousands, um, you know, and I, I discussed those. This one is going to be discussing the very lengthy uh, documentary on the on Terry Gilliam and Twelve Monkeys. That's on the Twelve Monkeys three pack, which includes the Jackal and Mercury Rising. So it's like a, I guess, a Bruce Willis centric. Uh, mid to late nineties pack. Um, yeah, I highly recommend if anyone's ever seen the movie to check out uh, it. Um, you get to learn a lot more about the producer Charles Roven as well, who's basically been involved in so many big event films in the last, uh, you know, twenty twenty five years that, or you know, thirty years that. Um, you know, it's almost necessary to see how, I mean, cause he was the overseer of Suicide Squad 2021, which is one of the best movies of all time. And then all sorts of other films as well that aren't as well, but a lot of them are really big budget movies on this one. He and Terry Gilliam, they don't show it, but there's a screaming match that happens behind this like fruit salad bowl on the set. <laughs> I mean, you get to know a lot of different details about what went on. Uh, you got, you know, uh, smaller productionist people on the on the movie just basically trashing on um, Terry Gilliam at times. Terry Gilliam trashing on Bruce Willis, trashing on uh, how the movie is going to be marketed as a Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis film and... I, I just I don't understand how why this is on there, but anyway, there's an also a, it's a very similar kind of roving production diary style um, documentary that follows around Michael Caton Jones during the making of the Jackal, and I just saw Siskel and Ebert's review of that. They really missed the boat on that movie. I don't, I don't know what movie they saw. Well, in 1997, I didn't really like it that much either, but. Through the years, I think the Jackal really holds up. In fact, it's uh, way more watchable than the Day of the Jackal, which you got to really sit down and get into. Uh, the Jackal is just much more good for casual viewing, which a lot of Bruce Willis's films are. But just, but he he does some uh, very different content in the Jackal than his other films. I mean, uh, that's why I didn't think Siskel and Ebert were being accurate. They were saying Bruce Willis didn't do much you didn't know much about his character you do you do quite know a lot about his character you know that he's willing to do whatever uh you know he blows up jack black but um beyond that i mean he goes to like this you know kind of blue nightclub and uh performs like how an action star would never perform in a film so there are there are quite a lot of uh differences uh in in that film and in Twelve Monkeys, then his other uh, more heroic '90s ventures, such as uh, 
Pulp Fiction and Die Hard films and Last Man Standing and Striking Distance. Uh, he goes a lot more against type in Twelve Monkeys and definitely in The Jackal being the outright villain. Uh, but the villain that you root for because you get to see all his different shades and uh, way that he's approaching the character and all that. Or approaching his job as an assassin and making up these different characters, I guess. These different personae. Uh, but yeah, this has just been a brief discussion of the 12 Monkeys uh, special edition DVD documentary. And as I continue watching it, I mean, it is just fascinating. You see Brad Pitt. I mean, I saw this movie in 1994. It came out in December. They probably should have pushed it more towards March or something like that. I think it would have even been a bigger hit. Um, am, I, am I getting the year wrong? 1995. My mistake, everybody. 1995. So it was a big hit, and they were making it in 1994, and people were trying to crash the set. Like, because Interview with the Vampire had just come out and Legends of the Fall. And Brad Pitt, you know, was the biggest thing ever right at that moment. Uh, all through the early 90s, but then right at that moment, he became the biggest uh, star in the world. Uh, even though uh, he is outshone by everyone in, like, everyone in the uh, <laughs> uh, Interview with the Vampire. I mean, any anyone from that movie did better than him. He basically slept to walk through that. But he was extremely dynamic in California, extremely dynamic in um, Cool World, uh, True Romance, and, um, you know, Thelma and Louise, all his early performances. But 12 Monkeys, yeah, he really steals the show. Just if I could just discuss what I feel really about the movie. It's so myriad of things. I mean, it blew me away when I saw it years ago and everything. But I think almost if, like, Patrick Swayze, someone with a little bit more sensitivity to the way they portray characters, uh, someone else maybe as the lead. I know that they wanted Jeff Bridges... Or what was the other? Um, Jeff Bridges or Nick Nolte. I don't know if how either one of those would have come off. Would have made the character at least 10 years older. So that's really weird. Gilliam had been making... I thought this was interesting. Gilliam was making a, a Tale of Two Cities. And it's another one of his canceled film projects. It just, I don't know what stages it had ever gotten to. Um, but he was casting the abandoned film adaptation of that and was impressed by her performance in Blink. I saw Blink with my brother in 1994, January 1994. So yeah, I was impressed by that as well. So there's this onset argument where. Terry Gilliam is like, oh, you were too flat the other day in some scene. And Bruce Willis is like, what? What, you, what scene? Maybe we're having a disagreement about what scene. Uh, and then they're like, oh, they like hash it out. And they like do like this fake hug. And you just see Madeline Stowe's face during the whole thing. It's like, oh, my God. 
you just imagine her having to deal with like the clash of egos and it's like she was actually almost a bigger star than them like right at that moment i mean madeline stowe kind of was like up on the rise i guess i don't know how you would say it but like and she had to like just sit back and watch these morons fucking do their like jousting about who's flat and what the seat who, who, what the motivation is constantly. There's like this scene where they're all sitting. So some of the some of the more plotting scenes in the movie have to do with uh, where he has her captive and they're trying to decide whether he's telling her the truth or she's trying to suss him out and vice versa. And the fact that Gilliam was just like leering and they were talking and trying to hash it out and get to their character's motivation so much... It really shows in that scene. So, if anyone's you know familiar with the movie, I'm sure you know. But that scene, like the verified video evidence of how much of a clusterfuck the whole movie production was, it's crazy. I mean, he literally, despite the producer on the final shot of the movie, that one of the most awesome shots of all time, it was like he's like, oh, I'm gonna put three cranes or two cranes and stack them up and pull up all these cars in the parking lot. Um, for that final shot. And he did that because he was told that the final shot had to be of the kid, like something hopeful for the future or to, to explain the, to explain the whole plot. And he always like would rip that and condescend that. But then eventually, you know, ended up being like a, a very memorable end. He wanted the end to be, I think of just the virus guy leaving or something like that. The Mario Batali dude. Because <laughs> uh, at the end of the movie, I mean, the Mario, he got, yeah, it looks just like Mario Batali. Um, but anyway, I, I, what a terrific film. I, I would almost like to have seen someone like a Paul Giamatti or Steve Buscemi play the Bruce Willis character. Because that, I mean, it would make more sense. He's like, when he's in the crazy house, because you look at Bruce Willis. And you look at Brad Pitt, and you look at everyone else in the crazy house, and they all, that you know, the other people look crazy as fuck, and then they look more normal, or you get to know their story, and they're not really cra- vice, you know, vice versa. Um, so the filming went on from February eighth till uh, May 6th. It seems like it was a little bit more than that, but it was filmed in uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore area. Um, so he's just coming off of making Baron Munchausen and then making like a recouping Oscar movie called uh, Fisher King, which, you know, was a did whatever it did at the box office, I mean, it's money back, but more importantly, was a big stepping stone. Like, uh, the critics circled the wagons on that, it won Oscars. Nominations, and then it won a, an award for Mercedes Rule Best Supporting Actress. So, he gets the 12 Monkeys deal, it's not, uh, He's not the, um, you know, writer of it. He didn't come up with it all. So it would be interesting to see if a different director would have been selected. Wikipedia doesn't really suss out everything I'm watching here in the documentary. So I'm hoping to really 
dedicate some time to that. So Rovin selected Gilliam, but at one point Rovin, I mean, Gilliam quits and then goes to this trailer for an hour or something. It's just, this documentary is crazy. And they have it, parts of it on film, but they don't have all of it on film. So that's why I'm like, damn, I wish it was even better. But they tell everything that happened. So... I don't know who else was up for the Brad Pitt role, but Gilliam didn't like him at first, I guess, or didn't want him. They all, um, like, took lower salaries to be in the movie. Pitt, a very low salary, because he was still relatively unknown at the time. I don't believe, I don't agree with that characterization at all. <laughs> Like, at all, at all. But, yeah. He wasn't relatively unknown. People knew Brad Pitt was, like, from the 91 on. So. Good thing, Wikipedia. And I can't correct it because I corrected something and they didn't like how I corrected it. And now they're being punks about everything. I want to correct that, actually, though. It wasn't a relatively unknown. How do I do that? Where is that now? He was not relatively unknown. It's bullshit. Not true. <laughs> uh, he was not relatively unknown at the time. I think it's stupid. I don't like that. I don't like reading something fi like fake where you know it's not real. It's just laziness. No, oh, they won't let me correct it. I'll go to Kevin Costner's Wikipedia real quick and see if that's still there. I bet it's been re rewritten by now. Those usual listeners, you know about the Kevin Costner situation. Where I corrected his uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, and it still stands. So I guess that's why my IP's been blocked. Because I successfully corrected something and people resented it. Because even though my correction is poorly written and I intentionally read it poorly so someone would correct me, no one did for the given amount of time and that stood as fact. And it will take someone risking their own IP address, Wikipedia entry ability to correct me. Is as far as I've researched And back to the subject at hand, it's like Terry Gilliam is like a, they, what they say is a life-threatening horse accident midway or some way through production, and then he starts being like on camera, like, "Oh, I don't see where this movie's going. I think I've lost the picture. I'm just filming filming out scenes day to day as they tell me, and all this shit. It's like this movie is fucking nuts. It's like I've never seen a documentary like this." And the fact that it's on what is a like a uh, licensed DVD package, I guess they were like, "Fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna put this out there," and you know, we got the footage and all that. So it's really interesting. Uh, but here, um, I hope everyone can check it out sometime. The documentary that is on the three pack, um, really worth checking out. 
12 monkeys. Thank you so much.